It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Sometimes I like to just give the drum line a little bit more extra time. Uh, hey. This is the horn. It is Thursday, the 23rd day of February, 2023. And, of course, we live at HeadOn.Live. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is... The Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round. And where, if you should happen to pop into the chat room right now while the program is live, you'll be greeted by early arrivers Anatole and Irish Dave and Squeaky and Theo, and capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist and Chief Mathematician and... Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger, in Oregon. Um, hi, I'm Robin. Thorn in the side Thursday. And a uh, little, little product mention right now. If you like spicy stuff, the Progresso brand of spicy soups, they're not kidding. Uh, just a little bit ago. I tied into a can of their uh, spicy jambalaya. Well, now I might—I I think I've—I I, I think I've burned off a few taste buds. It's not bad, but I mean, it's—it's it, it's really honest to God hot. No kidding about it. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, please, uh, when you listen to the program via podcast, uh, like and subscribe and leave a comment. Uh, it really does help. I appreciate it. I've seen some of them, and uh, it's a it's it's a big deal. Uh, 
Let me let me respond to a message real quick. So anyway, like and subscribe. We do appreciate it because we're all over the place. Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, uh, Podcast Republic, Apple Podcasts. Todd Bean, of course. And I'm sorry, a little, a little slow on the uptake here. I'm typing messages and so uh, anyway, every pro- obviously this program is live. For those of you who were wondering if it would be, yes, we're live. Since the program was over yesterday evening, I paid $1,000 to Appalachian Electric Power for clean, cheap, coal-fried electricity. Or whatever, yeah. But that, that we, we have staved off disaster in that regard. And uh, well, hopefully we'll, we'll make it to the end of February as we should. Every program here at the Horn does begin with gratitude, and this program is no different. As a consequence, um, we say thank you to our 23rd day of the month subscribers via PayPal. And that means uh, uh, thank you. Thank you to Colin. Colin jumped in, and thank you to Cecilia jumping in. Thank you so very kindly. Um, and thanks to our friends at Mellow Moonlit Meadow. Thank you so much. Thanks as well to Brandon and Fennell in Brooklyn, and thanks to our buddy Dennis in Columbus, and thanks to an anonymous friend who did a show, a Have a Show on Me. That works out. Uh, <laughs> uh, do please uh, uh, tell John Barron yes. <laughs> Inside joke. Uh, but uh, taken all together, that means that we are down to uh, the surprisingly non-terrifying number of uh, 170 dollars. $170, and we are fully funded up to this very, uh, well, uh, to the end of the program. And that would that, that, you know, be great to get that, that far along. Um, now, as far, one, little, one little program note. I like to put these things at the front of the program, hoping that folks will pick up on it. And, you know, we can, it's kind of a story within a story. We all know what a RIFRA is, right? A RIFRA, RIFRA. Sit, Liberty, sit. A RIFRA is a Religious Freedom Restoration Act. You know, like they got up in Talibandiana that make sure that uh, proudly heterosexual, God-fearing pizza parlor owners don't have to bake no pizzas for no 
homosexual weddings. I mean, it's embarrassing. Yeah, the 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 the, all these things come out of the same legislative chop shops. Those tax-free dodges that exist solely to further harm the United States of America by further dividing the people thereof. And it's a good dollar. It's a big dollar uh, for the right wing. They're going to take away your right to go to church, them liberals are. Sorry. But they've been, they're the source of bigotry and hatred. And of course, they're all based on sincerely held religious beliefs. <sighs> yeah. Well, we've got one of those pending here in West Virginia. You know, a means for. Uh, for I guess good God fear and upstanding Bible believe in Christ centered evangelical fundamentalist homosexual Christian Republican business people to deny services to anyone they want to but particularly to gays and to trans here we go again Everything from pizzas to wedding cakes to websites. And this is all by way of saying that we're going to, there, there, there is going to be a, 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 a program note. There's going to be a public hearing on West Virginia's License to Discriminate Act. And whereas the, the previous public hearing that I attended was at like 9 o'clock in the morning. No, 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 no. Tomorrow's is, uh, is at 4. And it's in Charleston. And to the extent that this, well, I plan on being there. And so that kind of means there will be no Friday on the front porch. Because I can't be there for a hearing that goes from 4 to 5 or 4 to 5.30 and have any realistic chance of doing any kind of a show at all. I hate to miss. I think you know that. But it this feels like an imperative. The, the people of this state are under attack by Republicans. And I can either, you know, I can either go along and get along and be silent and keep my head down like a good little German... Or I can use my voice for good. Somewhere, somewhere in the New Testament, uh, alongside with that line from the book of James, you know, in, in James' says, faith without works is dead. Well, also in the book of James, at James 1, 22, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearing uh, hearers only. 
And then the Bible verse gets a little complicated because it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Well, that good ship is sailed and sunk. <laughs> but seriously, if I'm going to sit here and talk about these things when I have an opportunity to try to be a force for change, it feels incumbent upon me to do so. So I guess there's not going to be any Friday on the front porch. Uh, if you guys would like to get together for a front porch this evening, I'm certainly open to that. It wasn't anything that I announced, but I like to have a group discussion at the end of the week. Um, We'll see how it turns out toward the uh, end of the hour. But the very idea that we should have a we should have a segregated society based on people's um, sincerely held religious beliefs, when ninety percent of them couldn't find the Book of James, for instance, uh, with. Uh, a GPS and a pack of prison bloodhounds that had James's dirty sweat socks to sniff at to go find him. Well, that's a sturdy number. So um, I'll I'll have to leave. We got to be there by three thirty, which means I got to be there by three, which means I got to leave here by one. It's gonna be a long afternoon. But I really, uh, I really appreciate your forbearance in that regard. But that's tomorrow, not today. And we've got a, we got a whole wacky world of, of right wingery to deal with before we get anywhere uh, near tomorrow. Uh, Randy Radar says you and many liberals are being vastly undercounted on Twitter. David Pakman noted it also. Uh, I think I think they just made it made sure that no one sees my stuff except people who are subscribed to me. I guess that's the value of the little blue check mark. And last I heard, in order to get your little blue check mark, you also have to send Elno Muskrat a picture of your feet, because you know he's weird. I just saw that earlier today on social media, and I thought it was terribly funny. Also terribly gross. Yeah. But being as how it's thir- uh, thorn in the side Thursday, why not start in Florida? Where, well, thin-skinned little racist governor Ron Monkey Up DeClantis, who was only elected the first time with the help of real-life, no-kidding Nazis, well, he's 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 butt hurt. He's he's butt hurt over something that Mrs. Greenspan said over on um, MSNBC, perhaps NBC, he sent an email to NBC Universal, and then because he's a Slimy little attention whore. 
I posted the email on Twitter. To all the bookers and producers reaching out to our office from NBC News and MSNBC for Governor Ron to monkey up to Clantis to join your shows, this will be the standard response from our office until at Mitchell reports on MSNBC apologizes and your track record improves. That was from Brian Griffin. Um, are we sure it's not Peter Griffin? Well, at least it wasn't Christina Peshaw. The other spokes creep. And this all stems, uh, this little uh, this little thin-skinned pissant martinet, from the fact that when Andrea Mitchell was interviewing Vice President Kamala Harris, she said, what does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children? You know, because they ditched on Ron Monkey up to Clantis's own orders, AP American, African American history in Florida Stan. And then there's the Stop Woke Act and making sure that our precious Floridian churns are never taught none of that there CRT. All right. They want an apology from Andrew Mitchell because she done made our precious governor all butt hurt. And so they're imposing a standard. Peter Griffin, I mean, Brian said that NBC and its affiliates, they must display a consistent track record of truthful reporting. Well... Can you imagine being a producer or a booker at NBC or MSNBC and calling on Ron Monkey up to Clantis? You know, a long, long time ago, I was taught a lesson. And not in a bad way. It was just by way of, look, here's something you need to bear in mind going forward. And that, that, that line was, or that rule of thumb was, Never get into a war with a guy who buys ink by the barrel. Because you can have the facts on your side. You can be absolutely right. And all the person who buys ink by the barrel has to do is keep printing shit about you. But apparently, even though... Well, I, I really don't think there's a lot of, a lot of high-quality educating going on at Harvard these days or... In years past, back toward the end of the last century, the beginning of this one. <laughs> well, remember, Harvard let George W. Bush into their Masters of Business Administration program. Need I say more? She's going to correct the blatant lie she made about the governor. The problem is... Nobody's beating down, and nobody wants to talk to him. The only, the only places that want to talk to Ron Monkey up to Clantis, remember where that phrase came from, because he is a racist. That's really the only way you can describe somebody who, in an election against a black man, told voters not to monkey up the state by voting for the black man. Oh, he's a piece of shit. 
the only people that want to talk to Ron Monkey up to Clantis are, you know, Fox News TV, Radio Rwanda, and News Muck, and is Onan the network that spills its news upon the ground still even on the air? Could Monkey Up even get on the that 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 poor little troubled podcast run by Stevie Three Shirts, the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells? You know, Steve Bannon. You know, he's the one who signed into law the Stop Woke Woke Act. He's the one who said that little white children should never be made to feel bad because slavery was a thing. But, oh, he's the aggrieved party. And then, of course, uh, Peter Griffin, uh, I'm sorry, Spokes Creek Brian Griffin, said that it's false that Monkey Up doesn't want the uh, history of slavery and the aftermath of slavery to be taught to Florida school children. But, well, Ron Monkey Up DeClantis is scared of an octogenarian, the octogenarian wife of Alan Greenspan. Go figure. It wasn't a blatant lie that Andrea Mitchell spoke. She asked a question of the vice president. But, you know, there's no... It, it would make Ron Monkey up to Clantis look pretty silly. He already is. He's deadly dangerous, but pretty silly as well. If he was to say that he was refusing to speak to Kamala Harris... And then Peter, I mean, Brian Griffin, uh, the press creep, said, Please feel free to pass this up and around the network. Yeah, okay, we'll put us, we'll, we'll, we'll run this off, uh, we'll run off 500 copies on uh, soft copy paper and leave them in the, in the restrooms, okay? Because the fact of the matter is, uh, Monkey Up specifically objected to teaching the concept of black feminist literary thought he objects to teaching advanced placement students about the black struggle in the 21st century you realize that Trayvon Martin was 10 years ago now where did uh, where did where did that happen again uh, no, I don't think the Horn Ad Hoc uh, Trayvon Martin Research Department has to get on this. It happened in Florida, where a gun-humping madman named George Zimmerman blew away a black teenager with a can of uh, carrying a can of Arizona iced tea and a bag of Skittles. I think that qualifies under the black struggle in the 21st century. course, well, so does Philando Castile. So does Tamir Rice. So does Eric Garner. So does Tyree Nichols. And on and on and on. 
And apparently you also can't say Black Lives Matter in Florida schools. Because, again, that might... And this has nothing to do with making white children sad. Maybe it makes the white parents sad about the things that the white parents' great-great-grandpappies did in the Civil War. You know, when they committed treason against the United States of America. Sue me, monkey up. It's a fact. But that reminds me, there's another, there's another piece of legislation uh, making the rounds in Florida. Florida's trying to undo the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States and the Supreme Court precedents around it. It's, it's to say the least, disgusting. There's a bill entered into the Florida legislature at the behest of Ron Monkey Up DeClantis that seeks to overturn New York Times versus Sullivan and its Supreme Court uh, progeny. Among other things, it takes away truth as an absolute defense. The bill would, for instance make it actionable for an individual to refer to a transphobic person or a homophobic person as transphobic or homophobic. And the bill says you can't use science to prove it, and the bill says you cannot use the person's own words to prove it. How about that? And I mean, that's just one aspect of it. Florida has become a bedlam state. He also got mad recently, again, at somebody from MSNBC. He got mad at Jason Johnson, who said, <laughs> yeah, this is a sick burn. Uh, he, uh, J- Johnson said, to, well, you know, I don't know if, if Ron DeSantis is going to be that nationally viable as a presidential candidate because, well, most people, when they think of Florida, they think of alligators and meth heads. Granted, that was painting with rather a broad brush. But apparently that got caught, that, that little thorn got caught in the side, the, the paper-thin side, the paper-thin skin of the side of Ron Monkey up DeClantis. who complained bitterly and this this may be this may be this may be Ron Monkey up DeClantis showing America his Achilles heel although comparing Ron Monkey up DeClantis to Achilles is eh, probably a stretch for the little guy but he does he has what's referred to in these parts, I don't know about other parts, but he has what's referred to in these parts as donkey ears. Yeah. He thinks he's fighting back, but he just sounds like a spoiled little brat. Gee, I hope it doesn't hurt too little monkey up, you transphobic piece of shit.
felt kind of good to say that. I, I must confess. And then there was a, a, a little thing. In, and, and look, the Aaron Magruder case, is that his name? The guy accused of killing his wife and his kid in South Carolina? My... Uh, my 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 alerts lit up like a Christmas tree earlier about something he said in court. That feels like soap opera coverage. So, mm. not a lot. I, I don't have a lot of interest there. But if we're going to talk about court cases. According to the New York Post, I know, I know. A woman who uh, vandalized NYPD cruisers in Lower Manhattan with graffiti scrawled on them, particularly, Jesus is king! I wonder if this is going to wind up in the Supreme Court. That the woman who did it... Um, well, she had a... She had a bit of a meltdown in court. Her name is Angelina Kendo. She's 35. She was in court of uh, on, on charges of vandalism. For writing Jesus, J&A, Suck Dick, uh, along the Canal Street subway station before she went to the cop cars and wrote Jesus is King on them. But the larger issue is that she set fire to a pride flag outside of a restaurant in Gotham. And the flag burned so hotly that the restaurant's windows broke. A flower display caught fire. The doors of the restaurant were damaged. And maybe she can get her conviction overturned if she takes it all the way to our most puissant, dread, sovereign, supreme Catholic majesties in D.C. because obviously she was only riding Jesus as king on the cop cars and setting fire to the pride flag out of her sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, her petty fogger said, I think my client was probably having some kind of a psychotic breakdown. Back in January, Ms. Kando was also charged with obstructing the breathing of another person, throwing multiple objects at him, throwing, uh, causing cuts and laceration. And she sat in the courtroom and said, false accusation, false accusation. Wait a minute, that sounds strangely like someone else we know. False accusation, false accusation, they're all fake. And then she uh, threatened workers in a pizza joint with a knife. Yeah. None to see here. Move along. 
Right. <laughs> God. Then there's uh, Harvey Weinstein. Alex Murdaugh. Alex Murdaugh in South Carolina. That's that trial. And at some point in time, we probably have to talk about the Georgia election grand jury woman. Holy smoke. Our buddy Texas T said something. Somebody shut that jury for a woman up. This is almost too perfect. In its squirreliness and screwiness. But before we get to her, yeah, um, yeah, Harvey Weinstein, sleazebag, got uh, got himself uh, a few more years of prison time earlier today, 16 to be precise. Um, the, the victim is identified as a Jane Doe, Jane Doe number one. It was February 2013 in a hotel there, um, and he was accused of assaulting the former model and actors, actress. So that 16 years gets added to previous prison time. Prosecutors are asking for a penalty of 24 years because of his prior conviction. Otherwise, California law would have handed him 18 years. Prosecutors are asking for the step up, again, because of the priors. Stand by, please. All right, I'll better now. So anyway, Harvey probably won't be seeing the outside of a prison for maybe like you know, the rest of his life, and that's okay. All right. The grand jury four-person in the election meddling. Emily Coors is her name. And she's been on a whirlwind interview tour with various media outlets, everybody from CNN to MSNBC, the New York Times. Grand jury deliberations are, by definition, secret. (laughs) 
But I guess this was her 15 minutes of fame, and Emily Coors was going to get it, and she giggled and smirked her way through the interviews. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I can see how trying to get the former president to come talk to us would have been a year in negotiation by itself. Is it just me or is this cringe as hell? She's 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 giddy. She's giggly. I would have gotten to swear in the president, former president. He look at me. He. It sounds like that was ultimately <laughs> a battle that you all decided not to wage. Exactly. That's that's kind of how it ended up. Was that? And I'd be fascinated by what he said. But do you think he would have come in and said anything groundbreaking, or just the same kind of thing we've heard? So at some point, you don't need to hear 50 people say the same thing. Mm. You know what I mean? At some point, you kind of start to get the gist. (laughs) That sounds like it might mean. (laughs) This just makes me want to know a little bit more about the rest of the grand jury. How in God's name did she get to be the foreperson? Because whatever process wound up with her becoming the foreperson must have been a little bit like a, I don't know, seventh grade class president student council election. And it it wasn't any better over over at CNN. Donald Trump put out a statement last week about the partial report that the judge did release, the pages that he did. And the way that he described it is he said that yet your report means total exoneration for him is how he put it in his statement. What's your reaction to that, Emily? Um, I did see that today, uh, which was fascinating. I'm not positive he read the right document, but um, I will say that if what he was talking about was our statement where we indicated that there was no evidence of widespread fraud or widespread vote fraud in the Georgia 2020 election. That might have been what he meant. Other than that, I'm not positive what he meant by that. I'd be interested to know. I'm sure we will hear more from him after um, <laughs> after it all uh, it all comes out. You know, the, the portion of the final report that has been released, there's another portion. That part that you just talked about was of great interest mm-hmm. to a lot of us. But also the other portion that obviously demands a lot of attention is also the portion, and I'll read this for everyone, where you all wrote, a majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. Is perjury the crime that you all believed was the main crime you all believe was committed? I wouldn't say that. Um, I would say that I would say that um, it ended up included there because it was less pointed um, of a of a suggestion than some of the other things we may have written 
in the parts of the report the judge chose to keep confidential. Um, like I would less, say that, less, less specific to a person. Right, mm. right. Um, I would say that we thought it was important to keep it separate as well. Okay, I will say that I thought it was important to keep it separate as well, at least in my opinion, not anybody else's but mine, that there's a difference between the crimes we were called to investigate and crimes that were committed in the room. Hmm. How would you describe the strength of the evidence that was put before you? The strength of it. Um, was it clear cut? We heard a lot of very compelling things, mm -hmm. like a lot of very compelling evidence, um, a lot of very interesting things and things that we didn't expect. We discovered a lot as we went. Like, we know that you all heard at least of, uh, at least one call that. I mean, this is all very interesting, but the, the pettifoggers are all, already lining up to file motions to quash any indictment that may issue in Fulton County out of a separate grand jury. It's bullshit. These pe this grand jury, of course, did not issue any indictments. They found no true bills. But the argument will be made that somehow this taints the process. If there are to be indictments, the, they will have to come from an entirely separate grand jury that only cores will have nothing to do with, but... Of course, this is a radio program. I'm playing audio, but it, 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 on my end, it has video with it. And the one thing I find interesting is that the whole time that she's talking to um, the 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 CN the CNN anchor, She continually looks down, uh, you know, without really moving her head a whole lot, a little bit, but she looks down and to the left. Like she's looking, like she's getting instructions or something. Down and to the left. Down and to the left. Down and to the left. Sorry, couldn't resist. Something about this whole transaction is just making my spidey sense tingle like I got ants crawling on me. And of course, again, Nitwit Nero said that the report it did not. He was not exonerated. He also said he was exonerated by the Mueller report which specifically stated we could not charge the president because we are not allowed to charge the president. The man's a liar. I need not even say that. Uh, Donald Trump was on during this period. Yes. This is the infamous call that the, the whole world has, has heard as it was released when yes. he was speaking to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. But in terms of just calls and recordings of calls, are there others of those? I can tell you I heard other phone calls. I don't think I could name all of them right now if I wanted to. <laughs> After 75 witnesses in eight months, <laughs> it gets hard to keep all your bits straight. Other calls that Donald Trump was on? Yes. I'm positive I have heard the president on the phone more than once. Some of the big name witnesses who came before you, um, they really fought against coming before you. They didn't want to testify, but they were forced to. They were told by the judge that they needed to, like Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's former chief of staff. What stood out to you from his testimony? 
Mr. Meadows didn't share very much at all and was not very willing to speak on much of anything. He asserted his rights um, under the Fifth Amendment and under uh, executive privilege, which he absolutely had the right to do. Executive privilege? Really? And that was pretty much that. Hmm. You know, this wasn't just a few days of jury duty. I've been kind of thinking about this as, as we were going to speak today. I mean, this was more than seven months of your life. And dealing with one of the most closely scrutinized investigations in recent political history. What is your lasting impression of this process, Emily? I've loved being a part of this process. I think it's amazing to actually be able to be a part of this process for once. I think it's a privilege to be able to actually be a part of the system for once and making it work. Um, this has been fascinating to get this peek into the world of like politics and of all these different of government and of all these different things and you know have the curtain lifted just a little bit and let us peek in as regular people has been amazing and i'm so glad that i did it and so after that when it's all said and done and the da makes her final decision on charging what do you say to people who question your findings or want to say that your investigation what you all were doing in that room was influenced by politics i think that's the opposite i think that by choosing to have a grand jury, by choosing to impanel regular people, they very specifically chose to avoid politics, to take bias out of the question, because they chose to get, instead of anyone else, they chose to get 16 random people. They could have gotten, you know, if they had wanted someone who was just going to support their opinions, they could have gone and hired a bunch of legal experts. There, there were all kinds of choices that could have been made there, but they chose to get a random sampling of the population of the area. And I think that speaks really strongly to them trying to avoid bias in any way and trying to avoid politics. After everything that you've seen, what would your reaction be if the DA decides against bringing any charges after what you've seen? I will be sad if nothing happens. Like that's, that's about my only request there is, is for something to happen. I don't, necessarily know what it is. I'm not the legal expert. I'm not the judge. I'm not the lawyers. But I, I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much, too much information, too much of my time, too much of everyone's time, too much of their time, too much argument in, in court about getting people to appear before us. There was just too much for this to just be, oh, okay, we're good. Bye. And if it was just a perjury charge, or perjury charges, would that be acceptable to you? That's fine. I will be happy as long as something happens. I don't falter for that. I'm just trying to figure out how this happened. Because this doesn't just happen. And I realize I'm getting perilously close to Alex Jones' territory. But this isn't this this isn't just dumb luck. This wasn't a matter of a young woman saying, "Hey, I, is is that possible? Is that even possible that she was the foreperson of the grand jury and and, and decides she's good because I, they." 
there is no way under the blue skies of this planet that the judge overseeing this grand jury didn't tell them, listen, you're not allowed to talk about this. Don't, it's not even, you're not, it's, don't talk about this. Don't talk about what went on in, don't. You know, she went on and said, you're not going to be shocked. It's not rocket science when it comes to the question of, whether they uh, recommended Nitwit Nero be charged. And where last week Nitwit Nero says, I was totally exonerated. Now the former president of the United States is attacking a young woman who just happened to get pulled into the dragnet of a jury summons. She's going around and doing a media tour, revealing incredibly the grand jury's inner workings and thoughts. This is not justice. This is an illegal kangaroo court. Capital K, kangaroo, capital C, court. In the long run, it probably doesn't make a difference. Because like I said... If any charges are handed down, they will be handed down by an entirely separate grand jury. Lisa Rubin is an MSNBC legal analyst over uh, over there, and she said, Emily Kors's pursuit of her 15 minutes is not likely to preclude anyone indicted and convicted from serving their term of years. Meanwhile, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, as headed by Fonnie Willis, is remaining as they should, closed-mouthed about this whole thing. I'd just really like to know how it happened. Oh, and speaking of uh, serving a term of years... Here's Garrett Miller... Garrett Miller uh, is, of course, from Texas, and he got sentenced uh, yesterday to more than three years in prison for his participation in the domestic terrorist attack on the capital of the United States on January 6, 2021. Two weeks after the terrorist attack, unlike the Associated Press, I will not call it a riot. Two weeks after the terrorist attack, when the F, when, when, when the cops showed up to take him in, he was wearing a T-shirt with Nitwit Nero's face on it that said, I was there, Washington, D.C., January 6, 2021. One wonders whether this constituted, at least in part, a confession of guilt. He's already been behind bars for two years. He's going to get credit for good behavior. And so that means he will serve another eight months. 
Garrett Miller was old enough to know better, but then again, in light of the fact that there have been 50-somethings who have gone up the river for this, age is apparently not a metric when it comes to maggots. He's 36 years old and comes from Richardson, Texas. And like the genius that he is, he posted every aspect of his guilt on social media. It could have saved this for more on Monday, really. But let's deal with it in close to real time. He, he, put up a po- he put up a picture of himself inside the Capitol on January 6th. And one of his friends wrote on the post, Bro, you got in? Nice! To which Garrett Miller replied, Just wanted to incriminate myself a little, LOL. Because it was because a terrorist attack on the Capitol is all just lols, right? And while he was in the Capitol, he of course behaved like the shitbird he is toward Capitol Police. Grabbed at one cop's baton. Uh, tried to resist another cop as they were shoving him out of the rotunda. And also along the way, he posted on Twitter responding to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who tweeted the single word impeach on January 6th. Yeah, now Garrett Miller was plugged into social media enough that he saw that and responded, assassinate AOC. And then, according to the prosecution, he bragged to his friends about how they terrified the Congress. And he also sent a message to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer saying, We're coming for you. Interestingly, he was not charged either for threatening AOC or for threatening Leader Schumer. Hmm, yeah. He was there when uh, Ashley Babbitt was, the, you know, the again, one of the terrorists, was shot doing terrorist things. And January 10th, he posted that uh, he and some of his buddies were going to find the cop who shot Ashley Babbitt and, quote, hug his neck with a nice rope. Wasn't charged with that either. And, of course, his lawyer said, you know, there's no indication he actually tried to hurt anybody. Yeah, except for participating in a terrorist attack on the capital of the United States. Yeah, the pettifogger said, uh, It should always be remembered that although Garrett is fully responsible for his individual actions that day, his actions and the actions of many others were a product of a rhetoric from a cult leader that has yet to be brought to justice. Garrett Miller was not the name on the flag carried by those who invaded our capital on this dark day in our nation's history. 
Miller, for his part, told the judge that all of his social media posts were disgusting and a complete embarrassment. And I'm so sorry to AOC and Chuck Schumer and whoever it was that shot Ashley Babbitt. And I feel a deep remorse for not being helpful to police that day and aiding in destruction and pain. It was unnecessary, barbaric, and disrespectful. I was proud, arrogant, and acted in anger. I needed to be humbled. Of course, he said all that because his lawyer was asking for him to just get time served so he could have walked away from the court a free man. In Texas, he's been charged separately with possession of an unregistered firearm. When he was arrested, the cops found a an AR-style rifle that had been configured to be able to be fired in automatic fashion, machine gun-like. Maybe that one can go up to the Supreme Court, too, and they can declare in the wake of the Bruin decision that every American has a right to a fully automatic machine gun. Because, of course, had they had machine guns, the framers would have gladly used them on the British. See, that's how originalist, you know, that that giant uh, semi the faux jurisprudential fraud works. You just imagine something. Whatever it is you want out of the case, you imagine the framers of the Constitution would have wanted it too, and, well, there you go. All done. Now, what did he plead to? He pled to... uh, Uh, interfering with law enforcement during civil disorder, assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers, and threatening. Oh, he did plead to threatening to a, uh, threatening AOC. They did manage to get that one in there. Somehow you'd think that would be worth more than four years. Well, by the time look, by the time he's out, maybe he can participate in the next one because y'all, they're still doing it, and they're gonna do it again. Uh, any doubt? Because I feel I feel pretty confident. Meanwhile, back down in Florida, at the University of Florida in Gainesville, uh, students there are, and good on them, you know, don't be afraid to get out and protest and raise a little hell here and there. Students are demanding that Ron Monkey Up DeClantis restore diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in education. The protest was organized by the Florida College Democrats and Dream Defenders and Stand for Freedom, 
a statewide movement. There was a walkout at noon today across Florida college campuses. Now, I'm sure that, uh, that, that Ron Monkey up to Clantis will get right on that. No, he'll probably try to figure out a way to have these kids expelled from their education. One group of about 100 university students gathered at a, a building called Turlington Hall at the University of Florida. One woman photographed with a rainbow fan uh, that contains the words, we say gay. Anything that can be done to further make Ron Monkey Up's thin skin thinner is a potential, is a good thing. But again, when we talk about a place like Florida, Chase and Johnson, Florida's pretty much just alligators and meth heads. Sorry, Florida friends. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about y'all. Not talking about you, Mark. Not talking about you, Scary Jerry. Certainly not talking about you, dear Juanita. But there's a reason that any story that begins with Florida man is bound to be wacky. Bless his heart, Charlie Pierce over at Esquire Politics has gotten to the point where he he's, he's pretty he'd be pretty much I think he'd be pretty much okay if we, if you know it wasn't wouldn't be about Florida seceding it'd be about the rest of the country just you know y'all go on now. Had enough of you? Go stand in a corner till you figure out how to be civilized. Because it's not just Ron Monkey up to Clantis. It's his entire pet maggot legislature. They like them some fascism. And they're going to do everything in their power to try to advance it. Uh, as to the uh, four-person, the four, uh, four-person, four-woman of the, of, of the uh, grand jury... Darlene in Connecticut says, oh, that jury four woman is more like a ditzy jury four child. Jesus, this country's so fucked up. I hope her 15 minutes are up. She needs to shut up now. I wanted to, I, I felt like I needed to be careful because I didn't. But she had a kind of a seventh grade quality about her, didn't she? I don't know why, but when I, when I, when I started when I, when I watched some of her clips, and this is a re, this is a real leap in time. For some reason or another, when I saw her interviewed, the first person I thought of was all the way back during the OJ trial. The woman who showed up for jury service wearing her Star Trek Next Generation uniform. I think that's because she wanted to make sure she didn't get stuck on the jury. Did she get stuck on the jury? Uh, hopefully she hasn't done any damage. But she sure did. And again, go back and watch the clips. Send me a note. I'd love to know your thoughts. 
I mean, I've the, the camera's pretty obvious. It's not like you've got to look around the room. The camera's right there. It's got a red light on it. You talk into the camera. And that makes it look like you're talking to the host. But she was looking down and to the left like she had notes. I don't know. It was just, well, weird. Matt in San Francisco says, Madam Thorperson, the cast of characters that revolve around Trump are just endless. Of course, the Thorperson is a nut job that wants to grab her 15 minutes and stretch them into something. Meanwhile, we're paying to protect him and providing him with the best medical care on Earth. Everything is normal in the United States. Normal, normal, normal. Extra normal. Matt says, my head hurts. I get it. Yeah, Ralphs, I mean, it, 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 interesting, Robin, about her looking down and to the left. That CNN interview, that that's the one with, with Brianna Keeler. Be nice if, if somebody at CNN could answer that question, but it was a remote interview, so we we don't even we don't even know where she was when she gave it. Uh, Flavio said, "Thanks for explaining to me how a grand jury works. I don't understand how I didn't understand how it worked, and thought it was something nefarious and unfair, not on the up and up, a star chamber. Well, it it has it has some of that flavor." There's no defense in a grand jury proceeding, Flavio. But that's because it is not the actual confrontation. Our legal system is adversarial in nature. There are those who engage in high-minded legal theory who wonder if there's someone... And, and we do... Like, for instance, if you... Uh, if you get disabled and you have to get uh, uh, try to if you apply for Title II Social Security Disability, you will eventually have an administrative law judge hearing. It's going to be you and the administrative law judge. It's not adversarial because there's not someone from the government arguing against you on the other side. But for the most part, our proceedings are adversarial. And the adversarial part of the process is the actual criminal trial after an indictment has been handed down. This grand, jury's, this grand jury's purpose was solely investigatory. They did not have the power to issue any indictments. But apparently, Emily really, really wanted to. It's one of the weirder things that's happened in terms of... Um, legal shenanigans in fairly recent memory. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's where I was. Brian Griffin is the liberal dog on Family Guy. Yeah, that is Brian, isn't it? Thank you, Randy Radar. Oh, let's see, yeah. Uh, going back to earlier in the program, uh, Kyle said, uh, subject line, Republicans and black women, also, they're souring on DeClantis. You ever get the feeling that Republicans are scared of strong black women in positions of power? 
Scared of? Hate. Just asking. Also, the Republic of Kakan donors are starting to somewhat speak out against Monkey Up's authoritarian power grabs because it doesn't look good. So he wants slavery in the aftermath to be taught, but literally shut down a class that would do just that. Shut the fuck up, Griffin. Brian. Kyle adding, damn, Jason Johnson, don't be comparing the meth heads to Ron DeClantis. That's completely unfair. Well, John, you know what? That There you go. Subject line, jury person. You think she's going to write a book? Oh, I think she's trying to get a contract for one. Probably already got the ghostwriter lined up. <laughs> Mentioning meth heads just reminds me. So last night, I did. As soon as the program was over, I paid the power bill. And thank you all so very much for making that happen. Hopefully, when the weather warms up, it'll just be the usual three or $400. I can remember when it was like hundred and a quarter. Oh, well, everything's gone up, hasn't it? Because they want it to go up. They, you know, our betters, the corporate CEO, corporate officer class. But I got the, I got the, I got the bill paid. Went, whew, yeah. Kind of grieved a little bit. And then a couple of hours later, lo and behold, um, Annette and I were watching Poker Face, which is an awesome show. Unpaid product placement for Peacock. We're all caught up now. I don't know when there's going to be another episode of uh, Quantum Leap. It's just a mess. But it, we were watching, we were just sitting there you know, ending the day watching Poker Face when all of a sudden the Video disappeared and the little circle started spinning on the on the, on the tablet. I went, Son of a gun! And then I got that message. You know, your device is no longer connected to Wi-Fi. And so I put my put my house shoes on, came toddling back here into the studio to look at the look at the router, and lo and behold, no, the uh, lights on the router were not right. And so I did what any good tech support person would tell me to do, and I powered down the router and let it sit for a minute and then powered it back up, and the problem remained. And I knew the bill was paid. So at about 12.05 this morning, I called the tech support and talked to a very, uh, a very, genial, uh, very genial woman, and we went through some stuff and no no it turns out you're part of a, an area wide outage and I said the last time this happened uh, talk, and I talked to the technician she told me about how down the road a piece there's one of y'all's nodes and every now and then the meth heads go and cut the lines thinking they're going to get them some copper and of course it's all fiber optic but I remembered that when Kyle mentioned not comparing you know, Ron DeClantis in Florida to, well, yeah, 
But it was all corrected by this morning because of the, the, the very irony of uh, raising money for the power bill only to have the Internet go out was just about too much for me to bear. But it was back by this morning, and all the happier I was for that. Uh, meanwhile, Theo says, subject line, good Germans. Hey, uh, some of my cousins by marriage were the children of a progressive Weimar-era German gent who managed a family-owned industrial fabrication plant. He got invited to a discreet dinner of colleagues in a restaurant, a restaurant's private dining room hosted by Germany's then new Ministry of Supply, uh, Dr. Tote and Reichsmarschall Goering may have been there. My source was a bit nebulous about some details. The reason for this gathering became clear over after-dinner cigars and brandy when the hosts told the attendees frankly about Hitler's plans for German rearmament. My cousin's dad pointed out that this would put Germany deep into fiscal trouble, aside from blowing off numerous conditions laid out in the Treaty of Versailles. The country would either be at war with all of Europe or, or, or in every bankruptcy court in Europe. The ministry officials blandly downplayed his objections, made reassuring noises, and sent Gestapo officers the next day to start interviewing family, friends, and associates. They tipped him off, and the family was able to leave Germany in good time. They were lucky. Our present-day adversaries are no different than the people who forced my cousin's parents to hastily pack up and flee their home and country. We get your reasons for needing to be off the air tomorrow, Robin. Thank you, Theo. Thank you. I appreciate that. I sincerely do. And just because, just while we're, uh, um, while we are uh, on the topic, Tennistan today passed a bill out of its legislature and sent it to their governor's desk for signature, and I have no doubt whatsoever that he will. Now let's bear in mind that Tennistan has a substantial tourism economy. Whether it's barbecue and blues on Beale Street in Memphis or barbecue and country music in Nashville or barbecue and Dollywood in the Great Smoky Mountains, tourism is a hell of an economic engine in Tennistan. Well, you remember several Wednesdays back, it was about 30 minutes after I found out about the filing of uh, SB, what is it, 252 here in West Virginia, that made it illegal for me to exist in this state, or would make it illegal? And you remember how I talked about with whatever, whatever the particular... Um, hated group it is, these bills, because again, they all come from tax-exempt legislative chop shops. None of these legislators have the brain power to write these voluminous bills. It's done for them, and it's all tax-free, hallelujah. Well, one state does one thing, and then the next state has to one-up it. And this bill in Tennistan has run through the state legislature there like shit through a goose. And it is ostensibly 
a drag ban, but it has the same summary effect as Senate Bill 252 does here in West Virginia. It reclassifies people who do drag as cabaret performers, and they have to get an adult performance license. And then anywhere that there's a drag show, no alcohol may be served. This is a matter of flinging shit at the walls and seeing which one of them sticks. Because every state that does this is going to get sued. That's what's one aspect of all of this that's, 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 well, if you were just looking at it objectively, it's, wait, I thought these people were fiscal conservatives. But they're filing bills that are going to get their, their several states um, into court costs that are going to go up into the, you know, when, when, you, when you bundle them all together from these Republican states, the court costs are probably going to go into the double-digit millions of dollars defending these things in court. Lawyers ain't cheap. You know, they bill on the tenth of a minute. That means six-minute increments. Some of them bill on a three-minute increment. And that stuff adds up. You know, West Virginia's setting fire to money left and right by passing and then having to defend these bills. So, too, with Alabama. So, too, with Arkansas. Idaho Stan. Texas stand, and even if they win, the money is still gone. You don't; they don't get the money back under the American system. They don't get costs, and so this law that goes into effect in Tennessee effectively treats drag queens. As strippers. If you've ever been to a drag show, you'll know that the queens are probably wearing more clothing than most of the people in the audience who are fully clothed in their own right. But it goes further. If a drag queen is caught, caught, performing within the view of a minor the queen can go up the river for 15 to 20 years on a felony rap and have to register on the sex offender registry I'm sorry that the topic of these particular stories is drag queens and trans people and gay people but again I reiterate what you're viewing here, what we are witnessing is right out of the fascist playbook. This is a template. And what's more, the Tennessee bill also does what Senate Bill 252 would do here with me. They have just made it illegal to be out and trans 
in Tennessee. They have made it illegal to present or be clothed in a manner inconsistent with one's gender assigned at birth. Now, the name of this bill is not the Banning Gay Pride in Tennessee Act, but that's the, that's, that's the essence of it. And my heart breaks for every gender nonconforming person, every non-binary person, every trans person, every drag queen, all of whom are different from one another in Tennessee. And yeah, there will be a suit, and hopefully there will be an injunction. But the, the, the injunction at the trial court level is not always guaranteed. You know, we had... Uh, I had the story a while back of the octogenarian U.S. District Judge in West Virginia, Joe Bob Goodwin, appointed by Bill Clinton, who issued a preliminary injunction on the transports ban here, bearing in mind that the West Virginia Secondary Schools Activity Commission, which regulates uh, school athletics, said it had never received a single complaint, not one, about transgender athletes on girls' sports teams. Not one. But nonetheless, Joe Bob Goodwin, uh, who is apparently a highly unenlightened man, dissolved his own injunction and said that the West Virginia Transports Ban didn't violate Title IX. That wasn't the end of it. So the plaintiffs took their case on up to the Fourth United States Circuit Court of Appeals, where the U.S. Fourth Circuit reinstated the preliminary injunction The whole stupid bill applies to middle schools, high schools, and colleges. It's ridiculous. It's idiotic. But then again, so too are transphobes and turfs. So there will probably, one hopes, be injunctive relief to be had in the courts of Tennessee... But every one of these things, because this is how they are designed, all of these things are happening in various circuits, the 5th, the 11th, the 4th, uh, whatever circuit Ohio is in, whatever circuit Idaho is in. Are they in the 9th? I don't know. But it's all designed to wind up before the Supreme Court so that Clarence 
pubes on the Coke can Fappy Thomas, who is the actual leader of the Supreme Court now. Old balls and strikes is Chief Justice in name only. But where he and his vicious cabal will move heaven and earth to try to advance the, the, the fascism that is running rampant in the stand states. Kids over in Ohio are terror, have been re-terrorized now because a, a state representative by the name of Click, no, his name's Gary Click, he is a real piece of work, he's a minister of the gospel, has reintroduced a bill to ban gender-affirming care. You know, not, not just puberty blockers, not just not hormones, not just surgeries that aren't happening in the first place, but even counseling, therapy, you know, to try to help the little trans kid not unalive themselves. And it's got a disgusting possibility of passing. But Tennistan, next week there will be another bill coming out of Florida. But Tennistan, do these Republicans not understand what this is going to do to tourism in Tennistan? What if... uh, what if all the musicians in Tennessee said, sorry, we'll go play somewhere else? I mean, are, are the Republicans that hip that they can pull together uh, enough enough uh, entertainment talent to keep Beale Street open and Lower Broad and Pigeon Forge and Dollywood? Of course, Dolly's a saint, and I'm sure if anybody's told her about this, she's disgusted, and maybe she's gotten on the blower to somewhere. But y'all need to stop this. God bless her. But it's terrifying, because the same fear that coursed through me uh, a few weeks ago is now coursing through every... Uh, it, it, well, not not, ju- not just trans people, but you know the entire LGBTQ plus community in Tennessee, which is not insubstantial. At Lee in New York says uh, uh, banning drag clothing. Imagining what's next: hijabs banned, Amish clothing banned, yarmulkes banned. I can't tell you what they want to ban, but they, they know it when they see it. Oh, I'm sure they'd love to ban hijabs because that's Muslim. And there is a Mennonite community of some, of, of some size down in Etheridge, Tennessee, about 40 miles north of the Alabama line. And, yeah, there, there are... The, Probably no no small number of synagogues. But see, they won't do that. They won't do that, Lee. 
because they know they can't get away with that. This is about attacking the helpless. It's kind of like the American bald eagle. Given its druthers, the American bald eagle never attacks anything its own size. And really, given its druthers, the American bald eagle would just as soon snack on the same thing that buzzards snack on, you know, stuff that's already dead. These maggots are like that. But the problem is, you can see that the, you can you can see that the, the the real motivating force in this, when you take into account the fact that nobody's going to charge a woman wearing a pair of jeans and a t-shirt under this Tennessee law. They will, however, charge someone that they decide looks like a man if that individual is wearing a skirt or a dress or maybe a pair of cute leggings. The definition of performance in the Tennessee bill is so broad, so vague, that a trans a, a trans woman shooting a, a cell phone video in a mall could find could find herself in prison for 15 years and on the sex offender registry and bear in mind that's what they want I know some of us have been to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. And I know most of us have seen the horrifying footage uh, from the final days of the Third Reich. We know what that style of genocide looks like. And most of us thought we would never, ever have to deal with a horror like that in this country. But here we are. And these are, in fact, efforts to make a minute segment of the population disappear. It is, in fact, genocidal. These Republicans should be charged as genocidalists. These bills are crimes against humanity. And we're here to witness it. And just know that there are... Every, la every, la every last person in this community, this little radio community every last person I guarantee you you know a trans person you knew me for a lot of years before I came out 
but I was no less trans. Probably everybody in this country knows a trans person. They just don't know because that person is too terrified to live their authentic lives. To come out and tell the world who they are. That's why on March 31st of every year, there's a trans day of visibility. And we say things like, even if you're not out there, even if you're not, you don't feel able to live your life, even if you're, you're terrified, we see you. You're visible and you're valid and you're loved. And of course, included in me saying everybody knows somebody, Every Republican who votes for one of these bills knows someone who is. But because those people are so poisonous, so toxic, so filled with hate and vitriol, people can't be safe. Can you imagine? Again, I brought up uh, Ted Cruz's kid, Ted and Heidi's daughter, a couple of nights ago. She actually had the courage to say, hey, I'm bi. And her life became such a living hell that she tried to end herself. That's the kind of pressure we're dealing with. That's what we're talking about. And there are other stories. And there are other adjuncts to this. But this, these stories, these laws are the beating heart of fascism in America right here, right now. When someone who proposes to once again be president of the United States says that he wants to eliminate a segment of the population in its entirety, how do you call that anything but fascism? anything it's beyond authoritarianism it's beyond dictatorship it's fascism and if I talk about this too much I do apologize but it is very much in the forefront of my mind because it is so heartbreaking After not quite 80 years after the Second World War, to see fascism rising up in the United States in the exact same form that it arose in Weimar Germany until, until it could consolidate power. So to sort of loop back, thank you again, Theo. Thank you again. for saying what you said. About getting my reasons for needing, needing to be off the air tomorrow. Wish they would have scheduled this one at 9 o'clock in the morning. Probably trying to reduce the number of people who show up. That would be a very Republican thing for them to do. Meanwhile, going back to uh, Emily Kors, the jury four person, 
Dave in the Blind said, a blonde moment brought to you by... Dave said, my skin is crawling. The paranoid part of me tells me that little Miss Emily here is a plant, and who knew plants could talk? Well, like I said, my spidey sense feels like I've just stuck my finger in a light socket. I'm tingling so hard. One more alignment regarding the current subject. Jude says, currently listening to, uh, I just sent a text to Billable Rick. Currently listening to the horn, are you still planning to visit Brian uh, this weekend? The former Fremont Ballroom is now presenting on Fridays at Drag Show evening. Jude says, my nephew Bill has invited me several times to join him. If snowshoeing is what you'll both enjoy, please know I'm unable to join in. My back's slightly compromised. But let me know if you can meet somewhere. Another little mini hornion maybe in the making. And uh, Randy Radar says, remember the origin of the word scapegoat. Thousands of years ago, annually, some old dude in cute duds in a public ceremony put all the sins of the town on a goat and drove the goat out of town. Hence the origins of the word scapegoat. Of course, the, 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 the aggrieved Republicans are, are absolutely convinced that they're the ones who are under attack. I ran across a story from a virulently hate-filled right-wing website talking about uh, a bill in the House of Representatives, H.R. 584, the Stop Online Ammunition Sales Act. SOSA? of 2023. Now tell me if you th- tell me if this sounds absolutely just crazy to you. HR584 aims to block the online sales of ammunition and create new guidance for physical firearms emporiums. Ammo dealers would have to get updated licenses under H.R. 584. They'd have to confirm the identity of any customer who wants to purchase ammunition. In other words, the same thing I have to do if I go down if I go down to the Rippy Mart and buy a Bic lighter in this state, I got to show an ID. You can't you can't sell a Bic lighter to somebody who's under 18, I guess. That was a that was a, that was a real. Well, now, moment, the first time I got carded for trying to buy a Bic lighter. Or Scripto, this is not this is not a pitch for Bic. They want to block online sales of ammunition and require databasing of bulk purchases of, of, of ammunition. The bill was introduced by Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman, the right, the virulent right-wing, hate-filled, poisonous uh, website reporting this. Uh, notes uh, 
Representative Bonnie Watson, a lawmaker backed by Michael Bloomberg's anti-gun group, Every Town for Gun Safety. The bill was co-signed by 23 other Democrats. In a press release, Bonnie Watson Coleman said, day in and day out, men and women lose their lives, let's add children, at the hands of gun violence. And the only response from Republicans has been moments of silence and continued inaction. You know, tots and pears. Gun safety policy shouldn't have to wait for tragedies like Las Vegas, Colorado Springs, and Uvalde to be considered. We also owe it to mothers, fathers, and siblings burying family members every day in Trenton, Plainfield, and other cities across America. Now, tell me, how, because this is the, this is these are the workings the of the of the paranoid, absolutely worm-eaten minds of the right wing. Now, I just spent a lot of time talking about the march of fascism in the United States. And I made a compelling case for it. Under H.R. 584, any retailer who sold, get this, over a thousand rounds. Thousand? How about 500? But if if a retailer sells over a thousand rounds to an individual... In a single transaction, the, 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 the retailer then has to report the purchase. This, of course, causes Republicans to say, Oh my God, the flag is falling. We won't have no freedom anymore. If that 21-year-old kid who saved up all his money working at Wendy's can't buy a thousand rounds of ammunition to go and shoot up a school in West Texas. Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman is absolutely correct, though. We are only 26 days into the new year. In those 26 days, this was back on January 26th, our country has seen 40 mass shootings. We are well past thoughts and prayers, and our moments of silence won't save a single solitary life. The gun violence epidemic is a policy choice, and we must choose better. As legislators, it is not our job to mourn. It is our job to take action to build a better, brighter, safer America. I just reintroduced my Stop Online Ammunition Sales Act because I will not stand idly by in the face of tragedy. Hear, hear, Representative Watson Coleman. Meanwhile, there's an an outfit, a a, a small family of shit weasels owned outfit called Phoenix Ammunition. That's spelled F-E-N-I-X. They make ammunition in the United States. Contacted by the virulently toxic right-wing trash heap dumpster fire website, uh, uh, someone at Phoenix Ammunition said, We're not surprised our lawmakers would set their sights on ammunition. We're confident that any efforts 
to restrict ammunition sales at the federal level will be struck down in the post-Bruin era. If you have not familiarized yourself with the Bruin decision, do yourself a favor and do so. That is the ultimate fetish object decision by this uh, gang of our most puissant, dread sovereign, supreme Catholic majesties. That's the decision that, for instance, here in West Virginia, caused the prosecution of a felon in possession of a firearm to be dismissed. No, really. Because the because in originalism, the framers of the Constitution didn't put nothing about felons not having guns in the Constitution. So anyway, the 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 uh, shit weasels over at Phoenix Ammunition said. We're confident that any efforts to restrict ammunition sales at the federal level will be struck down in the post-Bruin era, and we're doing everything we can to fundraise efforts to challenge existing restriction in places like California and New York. Because, you know, we need more mass shootings in California and New York. That was the CEO of Phoenix Ammunition, Justin Nazaroff. Gun control groups have already tried to blame ammunition retailers for mass shootings with disastrous results for themselves and their clients in Colorado, where the plaintiffs were forced to pay the legal fees of an online ammo reseller who they sued after the Colorado movie theater shooting. The Brady campaign stuck their clients with a $111,000 bill and forced them into personal bankruptcy as a result of their lawsuit, and we can only hope that trend continues. Because we're in the ammunition business, and we don't care about no little six-year-old or eight-year-old or ten-year-old kids chopped into chutney with our bullets. It ain't our fault. Guns don't kill people. Young white men with guns kill people. Wow. Somehow I don't. I don't. I don't see having to report a sale of more than a thousand rounds of ammunition as creeping socialism. I really and sincerely don't. And then, you know, there's the people who buy the bullets. Like, for instance, uh, a 73-year-old man in Nogales, Arizona, by the name of George Allen Kelly. He's definitely grizzled. 73 years old, he's a rancher here in the Arizona desert. And he's been hailed into court. Because he saw and and Nogales is, is, is on the border, okay? It's on the US Mexican border. 
and he saw a group of about eight Mexicans. And he, George Allen Kelly, took it upon himself to defend freedom. Wolverines! And started squeezing off rounds against a bunch of unarmed Mexicans. He hit one. Shot him in the back. The individual he shot in the back was was named Gabriel Quinn Butimea. He lived just across the border in Nogales, Mexico. He'd entered the U.S. illegally and was deported to Mexico the last time in 2016. Now he's going home in a body bag. And I'm sure there are Republicans, but well, there's somebody, there's somebody at Newsmuck or Fox News TV Radio Rwanda who I'm sure is more than eager to get George Allen Kelly on the electric TV box and make a hero of American patriotism, a true defender of our Second Amendment rights and values. And it's not just the murder. Uh, the complaint's been uh, in, uh, amended to include two counts of aggravated assault using a rifle, deadly weapon, or dangerous instrument because he shot and uh, he shot at a couple of others and missed. It, by the way, he was using an AK-47. You want to talk about brave? Those two individuals have told U.S. law enforcement authorities who have treated them like shit that they are more than willing to come back to the United States, put their hands up and and, and swear to tell the truth in a court of law in order to testify against this ugly, old, cranky-ass, homicidal vigilante. Speaking to law enforcement, the two individuals said, we felt like we were being hunted. It, now, here's a little addendum. In the updated filing of the charges, the prosecutor notes that the Court of Competent Jurisdiction, the County Attorney's Office, and the sheriff's office, quote, have all received disturbing communications, some threatening in nature, that seem to indicate an ongoing threat to the safety of the victims. Some of this information came about because George Allen Kelly wants out of the stir. At present, he's being held on a million dollars cash bond, And the prosecutor said Kelly shot an unarmed man in the back as he was fleeing in addition to shooting at other individuals without warning or provocation. They were literally just walking in the desert. There was no throat threat throat. There was no threat to George Allen Kelly, neither to him nor his family. But he shot at them repeatedly with an AK-47 striking and killing one of them.
Brenna Larkin is the pettifogger for George Allen Kelly. And she said, he didn't do it, uh, but he did uh, fire some warning shots over their heads of smugglers who were carrying AK-47s earlier in the day, and they had backpacks, too. And then, after threats against the witnesses, after threats communicated to the county attorney's office, to the to the court itself, to law enforcement, the justice of the peace there, Emilio G. Velasquez, changed George Allen Kelly's bond from a cash bond to a surety bond, which would let him put up the value of his ranch and his home in order to have, and other uh, rather than having to put up the million dollars money, so that he can get out of jail. See, this is one of those hard cases make bad laws moment. Generally speaking, cash bail for petty crimes is not a good idea because it is used almost exclusively to punish poor people for not being able to afford a $1,000 bond. And so they it's not unusual in this country to find cases of someone spending more time in jail uh, uh, unable to make bond than the charge that was initially lodged against them can punish them for. There will be another hearing at 9 a.m. Mountain Time, that's 11 a.m. Eastern Time, tomorrow in Santa Cruz County Justice Court. We have a problem of people treating migrants like targets in a shooting gallery. In West Texas, a few months back, a prison warden and his brother uh, were, were arrested because of a shooting they participated in that left one migrant dead and another wounded. Michael and Mark Shepard are both 60 years old. And they got charged with manslaughter last September in El Paso County, Texas. Manslaughter. They got manslaughter charges out of a situation in which they pulled over their truck about uh, 25 miles from the border and just started shooting at a group of migrants who had paused in their journey to get a drink of water. They killed one man and they gut shot a woman. Meanwhile, a Christian fundraising platform called Give, Send, Go is supporting his legal defense, Kelly's legal defense, 
and as of yesterday had gathered in more than $300,000. And in a sort of a form of confession, George Allen Kelly is also an author. He wrote a novel based on his life as a rancher. It's a, 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 on Amazon, it's described as a contemporary novel which brings the Mexican border drug conflict into the 21st century. It's 57 whole pages long, and it's all about a man named George and his wife, Wanda, which just happens to be George's name and his wife, Wanda's name. One part of the novel says... Several times each week, illegal immigrants would come across the v would cross the VMR ranch. They were led by armed human smugglers called coyotes. George and his foreman had to patrol the ranch daily, armed with AK-47s. So this fucker murdered a guy and shot at two others based on his own cosplay fantasy. You know what? We need a list. We need a list of the people Republicans don't hate. Because it's a lot easier to compile than the list of people that they do. Because we'd be here for the rest of the night if we were compiling the list of people Republicans hate, despise, loathe, detest. On the other hand, list of Repu list of people Republicans don't hate white folks. There's a reason when Kyle writes to the program, he spells Republicans R E P U B L I K K K A N S. As to the ammunition story, Stephen New York says if the bill passes. I'm going to surmise that with the 1,000 round limits, there are going to be a lot of purchases of 999 rounds. The 1,000th one's free. Uh, in defense of bald eagles, Dave number 11 says, an eagle would prefer to fish in your typical braided stream trickling through Alaska when the chum or pink salmon are running. The bald eagles will pluck fish out of the water rather than eat the fish guts left behind by the grizzlies. If the fishing's tough, eagles will resort to cast-offs. But not where humans have ruined nature. Yeah. And that's true. Stephen New York says, uh, But big lighters don't protect them." And they're not protected by the Second Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. It's in the Constitution! And uh, Steve adds, It occurs to me a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. 
let me put on my originalist contextualist hat. Nowhere does it say there's any right to have ammunition to fire those arms. Oops. Well, there is that. Mark, greatest country in the history of the world on earth, now, today, forever, in the universe, under God, amen. And by the way, we are two-thirds of the way through the program. We had a paltry, relatively, $170 to raise this evening. It would be fan-freaking-tastic if we could uh, raise that sum, 17 folks, 10 bucks, 10 people, 17 bucks, however it all works out. Got an hour to do it in. And, uh, by the way, the stress line's open if you want to get in. Uh, three, uh, not 304. 844-843-4676. 844-843-4676. 844-843-4676. 844-843-4676. The horn. Get you right into the program. Meanwhile, we will run over to the Skype line and check with... Uh, Scott, is that you? Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. I fell in love with a Mexican girl. <laughs> I love that song. Oh, I did. Marty Robbins, yeah. That and Big Iron. I don't I don't know Big Iron. Well, you've managed to just take me right to the edge once again, Robin. That's where we live. Come on, come on out here on the ledge. I know, we're both non-smokers, but we can still light up a couple of butts and flick them, flick them at the little red maggot, maggot hats 40 floors below. Well, I came to a stark realization today after my doctor visit. Yes. The purpose of which was to go get a refill on the good medicine for the intermittent leg pain. And I was treated to a little lecture about addiction risks associated with this particular medicine. Mm -hmm. And I was further uh, lectured uh, uh, that there are other there are other medicines to take. So I said, okay, I'm not going to get what I need here. Something that I know from actual experience has been beneficial. Works. And I can you know, get stuff done and am no worse for wear. So anyway, I go to the pharmacy. I get the two medicines that were uh, uh, alternative, not alternative, but alternate uh, choices. I'm just curious what those might be. Uh, let me see. Because I know, I know what the one they didn't want to give you was. Yes, yeah, starts with the letter O. <clears throat> anyway, no, that's not it. What the hell happened to him? One is called, well, I'll spell it G A B A P. Oh, no. No, I don't see an oh no in the name. Yeah, Gabapentin. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is, uh, no, it's not that one. Oh, here it is. It's uh, D U L O X E T I N E. Deloxetine. And I, you know how the pharmacy will give you it, it printed in the finest print, probably 
eight-point yeah. type. Yeah, got to yeah, you got to read it with a scanning electron microscope, right? And, and whenever it's a new medicine that I'm not familiar with, I will sit and read it. Well, that, that I mean, obviously, it, it, breathe. I, she would rather I be run the risk of depression, which I can do on my own if I really try. Okay, so there's that. She would rather me run the risk of depression or lethargy or sleeplessness. I read all of the side effects on these two medicines. I guarantee you that whoever prescribes you that fucking gabapentin has never had to take it. Well, I wondered about that after I read the insert, after I got home. So I'm See, going I mean, to, uh, let, let, me, let me just interrupt here for a second. Sure. They tried to put me on that for nerve pain. Immediately after surgery. In fact, I talked about this at one point. I think you. I think I recall And this that. is, you know, this is one of those moments that, that I have Scary Jerry to thank for, because I was talking about. I was still, you know, a couple of weeks past surgery, whatever, and I was talking about it on air. And Scary Jerry writes in and says, "Fuck all that. Go get yourself some CBD eight gummies." Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. To you me. might want to consider doing the same thing. Because for some reason or another, CBD-8 or Delta-8 CBD has a salutary effect on nerve pain. It worked like gangbusters for me. It also gave me a brutal case of the munchies, but I've already told that story. All right. Well, I may well do but that. But I've seen, I've seen gabapentin in action, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, well, I might give it to a junkyard. No, no, junkyard dog's just poor little, poor little animal. No, wouldn't give it to a junkyard dog. Well, apparently, now see, it wasn't my regular doctor. I had the appointment with who I thought was my regular, you know, primary physician. And instead, uh, it, it, uh, what did she say? She was a nurse practitioner. Well, I, I don't, I mean. And don't, I, be, and I, don't be hating on the NPs. They do great well, work. I, well, except this lady, apparently, in my experience. Apparently, she would rather I run the risk of depression than get relief for a bona fide pain that I'm having. Intermittent. Well, see, you have you have run into, and I, I, um, I haven't looked into the chat room uh, to see if he's there. Um, no, uh, Steve's not there. Uh, Steve from Georgistan has talked about this in the past. One of the one of the casualties. Of the of the of the opioid crisis has been people who have a legitimate need for them. Yeah, because they do work. And as long as you have, it, it, it seems like, and maybe I'm giving bad information here. I don't think I am. But as long as there's real pain for it to work on, there's a need. Yeah. You know, if you get past and the pain's over and you keep taking them, you're going to have a problem. Well, and see, I, when I was at the pharmacy and, explain, you know, telling this to the guy behind the counter, I said, first of all, I know that the medicine that I had before works. And I know that it says take one every four hours or as needed, which is what I did. I mean, I had a a stash of like 42 of them, a third of which were given to me 
when I was still at the uh, care center. So what's a third of 42? Let's say 14 of them. Yeah. I, I still had the balance since December and only took the very last one on the blister, uh, cardboard blister pack thing, Monday or Tuesday. So, that I mean, that should indicate that I'm a responsible Medicaid whore, okay? So I'm telling the guy, I, telling the guy at the pharmacy this, and I said, and besides, I'm a child of the '60s. If I if I if I made it to this point, I mean that means that I know how to responsibly handle uh, 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 potions and, and and drugs and and stuff. That probably you know? didn't help your case. Well, no, I, I'm just saying that that. Why lump me in with with the people who are abusing a legitimate medicine? Yeah. And and I'm not saying bring a you know a bazooka to a knife fight. They wouldn't have prescribed it if they didn't think it was necessary for me. Okay. I don't know. It it just pissed me off. Well, you have a right to be. You have a right to be. You weren't. You weren't demonstrating any signs of addiction. You weren't demonstrating any any problem with it. It worked for you. But see, the the other side of this equation is an unnamed entity, and that is the DEA. Well, and that's what I was going to tell you about. So, in in trying to get more data so that I could formulate my future plan of action. I said, well, what, you know, what exactly is the problem? I'm not someone who, who, who I was telling this to the nurse practitioner. I said, I'm not someone who, who abuses medicines. I, I, have a, I have a medical complaint. I have experience with the medicine. It has been effective. It doesn't keep me from doing anything else that I need to do, and I use it responsibly. Where's the problem? And she said, well, the, the DEA checks up on doctors to make sure that they're not over-prescribing. And I'm thinking, why the hell am I being lumped in with these nitwits? Well, no, they're not, they're not lumping you anywhere. They're lumping the doctors and the nurse practitioners. Yeah, but it affects me. Sure it I does. Mean, sure it does. So anyway, I'm I'm not real happy with it. I think next week I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, uh, make an appointment and insist that I see the fucking doctor. You know, and say, look, I mean, I am I'm a responsible patient. I you know I'm on the same team as you. I, I I want something that will work with the least number of side effects. But he'll probably argue with me. I, I, it just pissed me off. And I don't know that I'm even going to take either of these medicines. Because I've never had them before, and I don't, I just... Um, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a pharmacist, and I don't play either one on the radio. But... When they started talking gabapentin with me, I didn't talk to a single solitary soul who said, "Yeah, cool, take that." And let's see what's the name. Because, of the, uh, among other things, I saw it in, in you know in in real life in real time with my father years ago. They gave him 
gabapentin, and it turned him into a staggering, stumbling mess. Well, see, and I don't need And that. you don't need do, to be that. I can do that on my own. And you also have to understand that gabapentin has a history. When the, it, was a, it was deemed to be a wonder drug uh, when it first came out, and this would be back around the turn of the century, uh, the company that made it got stone-cold busted because they were paying doctors to come and do seminars, you know, it, in awesome places like, you know, the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. And the doctors would show up, and they did. There was no real seminar. They just got a free week, get a you know nice, nice Caribbean island vacation location, and they went home and were told, "Listen, this drug is for this one thing, but you go ahead and prescribe it for all kinds of shit. You do that. Yeah. And and yeah. by the way, here's your honorarium for speaking at our seminar." Yeah, a new car or something. No, no, the doctors like money. Well, who doesn't? This, this other stuff is D U L O X E C I N E, and uh, I, I, I didn't read up on that one because I still hadn't gotten over the first insert. Yeah, go get your go get yourself some CBD eight gummies. Okay, well, I may well do that, and you know, just. Because it's it's a it's better than just sitting there and getting you know stoned to the bejesus belt. And my experience, like I said, was that it worked. Well, I like. And I mean, if I, I if I I mean I know you don't drive it, but if I'd been if I'd been taking that godforsaken gabapentin, I couldn't have operated a motor vehicle. Yeah. So, so I, I'm I, sorry. I, I'm sorry you got caught in that DEA dragnet. She basically confessed to you that it wasn't because she thought you were addicted. It was because she was afraid that the DEA would come down on her. You know, we had that story the other day about, oh, I forget which maggot it was that reintroduced the bill. Oh, it was, um, was it was it Massey from Kentucky, maybe, that reintroduced the bill to eliminate the U.S. Department of Education? Oh, it could have been any of them. Well, what we really need to eliminate is the DEA. I mean, when well, you've got when you've got a track record like the DEAs, sooner or later, you any any actual competent government would say, <laughs> you know, they were created for one purpose and really failed miserably at that. But there's a whole lot of people that work for the DEA. Well, there was a um, – I can't think of the name of it. It was about 20 years ago, a, a great documentary about the DEA. And it gave the history of it. And it goes back to not the DEA itself, but the thought processes, for lack of a better term, that gave us the DEA. Do you remember the name Harry Anslinger? Yes, all right, he was the guy that he didn't give us Reefer Madness or the movie. Uh he but but that was his era, whatever year that was, 31, 33, something like that. Almost a hundred years ago. Okay, and you know how much fun Reefer Madness was. Every horror story no, right, that you've yeah. ever heard about the evils of the wicked weed was was depicted in that in that film. 
And the best way to see it is stoned, I'm a, I must tell you. <laughs> that was our experience. But anyway, uh, uh, the, 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 the whole point of it, of the DEA, was it was what was it, the Bureau of Narcotics? Was that what Anslinger's uh, um, a group was? Something like that, yeah. In the late, very late 60s or maybe 1970, something like that. Nixon's boys got together and they said, well, what are we going to do about this drug problem? It probably wasn't anywhere near as bad as they were thinking it was. Uh, and they came up with the fucking DEA. I wish I could remember that that documentary. I bet you if you put DEA in documentary, you can find it. Horn listeners who, who would like to see it, uh, even though I don't know the title of it. But I swear, it just laid it right out. And and it, it, it's um, and again, responsible people uh, get penalized because of the people who are who make uh, uh, less informed choices. Just put it that way. So I'm I'm not uh, anyway. That's I, I know I know. But otherwise, everything is fine. So I guess I guess based. On, you know, and I know you're not recommending because you're not a physician, but why even bother with this if it's going to cause problems that I don't currently have and don't currently need? You know? Yeah. And maybe I'll let the, uh, you know, I'll give the. Uh, well, I mean, let's 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 put it let's put it out there to the Horn Family Community Congregation. If you have any direct, actual, personal experience, as in you have taken it. Uh, Gabapentin, tell Scott. So maybe we'll maybe we'll find out. Yeah. Um, Jude said uh, there's a place called San Diego Pain Institute specializing in interventional pain management and stem cell therapy. And says you might want to request a referral there. She says I'm not personally familiar with this particular pain management practice, but I do know there are such paths. It's well, at is- SanDiegoPain.com. The thing is, you had something that was working for you. Yeah, and that's just the thing. It's 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 um, it's crazy. And the care center gave it to me. Sure. Okay. I initially was in the hospital for three or four days, and then we about, remember about almost two weeks in the care center. And the object of being in the care center is to no longer be in the care center. And part of what they did to move me through the process and send me home, uh, walking straight and upright and all that stuff, was to give me this fucking medicine. And and, and uh, I, I don't know. I just it just pissed me off. Um, but that's not really why I called. There was something. Oh, well, you were talking about uh, about guns, okay? And this old coot in, did you say New Mexico? Arizona. Arizona. They're all the same. Uh, those square states out to the west. Uh, did I ever tell you about being maybe 10 feet away from being caught in a crossfire on the street? No. This was back when I was uh, like 19 years old and was was in my Jesus Freak uh, um, phase. 
And every Saturday, a group of us teenagers would get uh, with uh, Reverend Porter and uh, go down to the main intersection in Alexandria and harass people walking by, minding their own business, you know, letting them know what the good news was and why they needed to hear it. Okay, so we're getting ready to head out the door. I mean, we're like two minutes away from heading out the door. And this guy runs down the middle of the street, King Street in Alexandria, for anybody who, uh, 1000 block of King Street. This guy is running uh, west on King Street, and he stops in front of the building. Because we're like inside, but looking out the doorway, getting our belongings together, our Bibles and our gospel tracts. He turns, pulls out a pistol, and starts firing at someone down at the other end of the street. And then he turns and starts running. Well, moments later, a policeman, a uniformed policeman, runs by with his gun drawn, and he shoots the guy dead in the street, right in the, the intersection. And I'm thinking, good God. And this was like in 1970. In my little hometown where, you know, we try to keep trouble to a minimum. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, and that was then. Oh, now and it's it's so much could, worse. You could accidentally bump your grocery cart into the grocery cart of a person in the checkout line. And they in in certain places where they have concealed carry, they decide. They had, yeah, they decide. They decide to bust a cap in your ass. Exactly, and I'm thinking, yeah, is this this is not helpful. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, well, right. I mean, again, ten years ago was Trayvon Martin. That's how long Florida's had stand your ground. Yeah. And Florida is a hell state. And since. Um, uh, 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 powerful medications are not currently being prescribed. The source of this person's behavior is not drug-induced. Apparently, they, they've got brain chemistry that does the trick just fine. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, let yeah. me uh, whoever's on the stress line, let me bring them on for the conversation as well. Hey, welcome to the program. How are you? Flavio? Yeah, it's me. Oh, hey, how are you? It's been a while. It's been a while. I I, I know. Uh, um, I I seldom call. Come on, I, I, I'm just uh, uh, on emails or something. <laughs> well, uh, what uh, you, if you could? I don't know. Uh, stick your tongue out and put one hand in the air. The one that's not holding your phone. For some reason, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, I'm breaking up. You were. So maybe it's settled down now. Well, that's bizarre. Isn't it? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I um, I had it on speakerphone, and then I turned the speakerphone off. Ah, well, that probably explains it. Speakers, speakerphones are hell. Okay. Yes, uh, for, for uh, radio programs, speakerphones and Bluetooth are just hell. No, I, I understand that. Um, How are you? Yeah, uh, I'm okay. Uh, I guess they're not going to take over. Oh, see, it's happening again. 
Last thing I heard uh, was you're not going to take you're not going to take over something, and then you broke up. Oh, that's bizarre. What is the stress line again? What do you mean? It's a phone. Sometimes you know it's it's everything. Everything is subject to cell signals, and sometimes you break up, and sometimes you don't. Can I try and call you on the other line? The... No, because Scott's on that one. Oh, it is okay. All right. Oh no, I just wanted to say I. Um, I wanted to say that um, I thought it was weird that that young lady kept looking down. That was weird. Yeah, down and down. Um, it was like something out of the JFK movie. Down and to the left. Down and to the left. I don't know if she was looking. Yeah, I don't know that, if she was looking at notes, or, but it's. It just. It was a weird vibe because, generally speaking, you want to look at the camera when you're talking to the person because that the person is the camera. Yeah, it was. It was really strange, and the other thing that kind of you know, I guess, irritated me is that it seemed that she was seeking her 15 minutes of fame, too. And, and in that everybody sense, seems, she, Everybody seems to be of that opinion. It, it seemed that, that she um, was a gossip. Kind of like, you know, like the stereotypical Southern gossip. You, like, you, you would... God, what is y'all ain't gonna believe y'all ain't, y'all, y'all ain't gonna believe what she said? No, no, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what she said. Steinbeck, Steinbeck novels. The what's the novel where they have the? Ugh, I can't remember the. Are you talking about Grace of Wrath? When they have the gossips, that gossip family. I can't, I can't remember now, but. That that's what she sounds like, like stereotypical, totally, totally stereotypical, which is unfair because I know it's not you know you can't generalize. My father was one a big one about that. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, just fine. Um. So, yeah, um, but I, 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 I seldom call in because, you know, there's so many um, more informed people and, oh, you know, I kind of... No, you're fine. Every, no, you're, you're informed too. Um... But uh, again, I, I feel bad that I wasn't I not able to contribute at the time because oh, I'm please. I'm actually no. storing up money so I don't get evicted. So if I do get evicted, I have all the resources available. That's to me. A, that's a fine fine reason. Don't you worry, Flavio. It, you know I always say so I'm like squirreling. I'm not I'm not eating so that if anything happens to me, I have a war chest. Are you at are you are you, are you are you are you at risk of eviction? 
No, but downtown is gentrifying a lot. And there's a lot of arbitrary decisions being made. And, okay, you know, I remember what happened to half of my building that was evicted on the fly in the middle of winter before the pandemic. Right. When the owner of the appliance uh, store that owns the building sold it to uh, the hospital chain, you know, yeah. uh, and and then they took it over and they put a dental clinic to rival with another dental clinic across the street. So downtown becomes ever more gentrified. And and this is the problem with downtown La Crosse, where I live. Yeah. It's just it's becoming more and more gentrified, and, and it's such a pretty little town. And, yeah, and it's it, you know. Although, are you getting buried right now? I saw I saw photos from my friends up in uh, up around Ashland, and they were getting feet. Oh of yeah, snow. no, not quite like Ashland. They, that's lake effect snow. Sure, yeah. We don't have we don't have that here, but we got a nice. Uh, I'm going to say six inches. Not quite as much as I thought. You know, we were thinking it was going to be one, one foot six inches, but it was like more like six inches. It's still hefty. I mean, you know. Yeah, but for up there, for, for up there, it's manageable. Yeah, we still have plows. We're not like Texas. Yeah, well, you know, and you, you also managed to keep. The, you also mostly managed to keep the electricity on during the dead of winter. Also, unlike Texas. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that great? My my apartment's like toasty warm. Um, and it's like well, it got up to mm, it got up to yeah a bunch of bunch yeah you know, bunch of cranky old people talking about the weather. It got up to seventy two degrees here. Nothing but blue skies today. It was perfect. That probably no, means that in about two, that probably means in about two weeks we'll get a foot and a half of snow. Oh, okay. Or maybe two feet on Easter. That sounds like Wisconsin. If you're not, if you don't like the weather, just wait a bit. Yeah. But no, I was I was thinking about you know everything that's going on and the the impunity, the impunity, the 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 Justice Department. Well, that was the one thing that uh, that was the one thing that Emily said that did have at least some resonance for me. Yeah, I want to see something come out of this. Something come out of this, for fuck's sake! Because the, Sorry, I mean, I, the, 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 the the one thing she did say that that had some merit is it, we heard things that made us go, yeah, and I, you know, perjury and other stuff. But if nothing happens, it's like, okay, what was the point of seven months of my life? Right, and and, and I'm sure the yeah. I'm sure the jury fee for a place like Fulton County, Georgia, is probably something like fifteen dollars a day in mileage. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing don't I didn't understand. In, don't, a, don't spend it all in one place, Emily. Yeah. No. Holy shit. Um. That's the other thing. I didn't know. Uh, I, first of all, the, the grand jury thing is alien to me. And then the other thing is that in Georgia, 
there's a you can convene a special that just does investigative work. Yeah. And then the real one, then the DA can bring up, you know, when the recommendations to a real one. Yeah. See, the the, 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 the real, the so-called real grand jury exists on a timetable. Okay. Because every, every court has a term. Uh, For instance, here in West Virginia, back in the day, there were three terms of court per year. And the grand jury would be summoned for that term. So there's a term of court coming up some at, at some point in time in Fulton County, and that will be the grand jury that theoretically at least hears the the, the, the cases that Fonnie Willis decides to bring. Okay, so that's why you know that, that's why maybe maybe it's not. Maybe that's why it's not entirely consequential. Yeah, she hasn't. She hasn't done anything that prejudice. She hasn't really done anything that prejudiced anybody. But any time a lawyer sees something that 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 is that whack, they're going to craft a motion to quash or uh, some sort of the petty foggers. The petty foggers. Yeah, pound on the. You know. You know the. You know the old saying. I've mentioned it a million times in lawyer world. If you, have fa- if you have the facts, you pound on the facts. If you have the law, pound on the law. And if you have neither, you pound on the table. So this is going to provide fodder for a lot of table pounding. Hey, Robin. Yes, Scott. And Fabio. Speaking of jury duty, guess what yesterday's mail brought? You got a summons? Yeah, for, for the end of the month, end of next month. Oh, I think you'll be, I think you'll be there's probably an exemption for you given you know, just age alone, never, never mind any infirmities. Well, here's the well, thing. I, the so, way I got out of it, the way I got out of it was uh, I just said I'm a resident alien, but I keep my antennae tucked behind my ears so it's not too frightening local. I was waiting for that, Flavio. <laughs> yeah. Several years ago, I was, uh, it was before I moved to this apartment that I'm in now, so it was at least four or five years ago. Uh, I got a summons, and I just was not up to doing it. And I there's a space that you can fill out so that you don't want to be considered for it anymore, and here's the reason why, blah, blah, blah. And I not, had not received a summons in, in the intervening years. And so I was really kind of surprised that uh, this one showed up. But I'm going to uh, – I, I should have taken it to the doctor – uh, and had him fill it out. Maybe when I go. No, I think I think you probably do. You you get an exemption by reason of age, and you don't need a doctor to prove your age. No, it's just yeah, you can definitely. But all I had to do on the phone was just tell him, hey, um, it's supposed to be uh, of your peers, and I'm not naturalized. So. Right. Yeah. So that's, uh, hey, I, I got you know. Uh, it, Scott, I got to share a couple of emails with you because I asked the community to share their experiences with Gabba Penton. Oh, sure. And you got responses. Um, uh, Brendan wrote in and said, "Please ask Scott if he can get a referral to a pain clinic. This is the same thing that Jude said from his MD. Gabba Penton originally marketed as Neurontin. I couldn't recall the name of it, but Neurontin was called Morontin by many of my patients." Oh God. It can be stupefying. It's nasty. I've only heard nasty things about it. 
Uh, Brendan goes on and says, I can only recall one or maybe two patients that it ever offered relief to. Uh, this American need to punish people for being in pain enrages me, and this stink of death capitalism that corrupted what could have been an enlightened time of opioids for pain relief is even more infuriating. Peace, lady. Brendan. Thank you, Brendan. You, na- you, you nailed that one. And then Dave number 11, uh, who, who was most recently heard defending the bald eagle, uh, said, Gabapentin, I was on 900 milligrams a day. I went for a walk in the woods. I fell down a hill for no reason at all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And tore up my knee pretty badly. While I lay upside down, it, wait. While oh my I, God. While I lay upside down in the ravine, suspended from my leg stuck in the crook of a tree, oh God, I decided to quit gabapentin. I'm, a good, good choice. I'm just getting my mobility back. I've got bottles and bottles of wobble pills in a brown bag sitting on the doorstep if anybody wants them. <laughs> Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. I've only heard bad things. Um, um, yeah, I've only heard bad things about gabapentin. And I'm, a, I'm a kind of, the kind of guy that takes the lowest dose of ibuprofen that works. Yeah. I, 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 I do not like taking drugs, even over-the-counter stuff. Uh, I'm kind of superstitious that way. Yeah. Well, there's been two suggestions to go to an actual pain clinic. Yeah, and sandiegopain.com is the yeah. website that Jude sent to me, sandiegopain.com. Now, when I hear, you know, a specialized practice of, of that sort, would it turn out that they would uh, see the wisdom of giving me a moderate supply of this stuff, or the good stuff? I don't know. I don't know how pain clinics work, but because I, I I definitely don't want to get into one of these things where they're where you're lighting candles and chanting. Because I mean that's oh god, fucking Catholic church growing up, you know. Scott, oh Scott. You're taking you're taking a pass on the robes and the bells and the whistles. Is that what you're saying? You've already been you've already been down that road in your hippie days, right? I mean, well, and not only that, but it's like, you know, Uh, keep the incense, keep the incense. The incense is good. Oh, that that shit. I don't know what they they might. (laughs) Oh, that shit. They they must have done their shopping at the incense warehouse or something. It was was supposed to be frankincense, as I recall. And that would that stuff would knock a buzzard off a bone wagon. Yeah. And when you start getting woozy, you're 10 years old, and it's one of the high fucking holy days. Well, I was high. <laughs> oh, I think I'm wasted on the incense. Just <laughs> away from casting of decorum to the wind and, and whipping the bishop, as it were. Wait, is this? Right is, wait, is this the same church? I, I, I remember. Flavio, I need to can your laugh just to just to hit that button every now and then. Yeah. But, I feel, but 
is this the? I mean, didn't you tell a story once upon a time about there being a pedophile priest? And it, you sure that wasn't hash? <laughs> it might have been. Wow. Now this this stuff. I don't know which high holy day it was, but they have this special thing, and they scoop the incense. The altar boy, you know, takes the uh, scoop and puts it in there. And I guess they use a candle to light it. You know, nothing modern in the Holy Roman Church. And they they fire that thing up, and it's like, holy Hannah, Jesus! <laughs> this ain't Jasmine. <laughs> Jesus, no, no, hell no. I mean, but I I could see if it were were like patchouli. Or, oh, or no, 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 no. You know, as much as I love Al Stewart, hold on. As much as I love Al Stewart, and, and you know, my introduction was Year of the Cat. She comes in incense and patchouli. And so, you know, a little seventh grader that I was, I'm like, what the hell is patchouli? And then a few years later, I smelled it, and I was like, Al, why would you want, to, want anything to do with a woman that smelled like that? Well, and see, here's the thing. There was a time in this country, if you ran in the correct circles, that that rather than like Aqua Velva or Old Spice or Jade East or whatever, people would high karate, yeah, high karate. <laughs> people would men would doubt themselves in these uh, 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 in this patchouli oil. And my God, it it it! I I'm 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 pissing people off left and right by gooning on patchouli, and you're not helping. But yeah, well, I I, I get it for different strokes for different folks, but I it, I just it's not, you know, it's not the sweet smell of uh, incense uh, incense before the Lord in my book. No, okay. no. I'll tell you exactly. Well, what did what did Frank Zappa refer to it as? <laughs> the steaming incense stencher. Yes, yes. I, I, it finally came to me what the occasion was. It was I was in fourth grade. It was my confirmation, and they brought the bishop in from Richmond, where the headquarters of the diocese was. And this guy was like, I had to look twice to make sure Goodyear wasn't emblazoned on his side. He was well over 400 pounds. Big old fucker. Yeah, no, 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 not real big on the, obviously not a Franciscan and no vow of poverty involved, right? No, this guy, uh, and he had this booming voice and just a, and we were scared to go up there because, you know, you've got, you're in the line, you've got to go up there and they put the uh, Wesson oil on your forehead, make a little side of the cross with their thumb. Oh my God, and, you mentioned the Wesson oil. Hang on, time out. I got to share uh, this with you. This is too damn good. From the Westonality corner, here's Robin. Uh, so the the tweet was later. You know, I don't keep up with this kind of thing because I was raised as a Southern Baptist and I'm still getting over it. But yes, you know, two days ago was Mardi Gras. Yesterday was Ash Wednesday. Yeah. Catholics Catholics all over all over the world made an ash of themselves. We sure ah. did. Well, uh, there's there was some some Twitter account. And they've even got a blue check mark. Called at Frontline Story, and it showed three pictures of President Biden yesterday. Who, I'll just remind us all, and this is Thorn in the Side Thursday, so this is perfect. I will remind us all that, <laughs> <laughs> that Joe Biden is a devout Roman Catholic. 
So there are three pictures of him with this dot in the middle of his forehead while he was in Poland. And the Frontline tweet read, and, and by the way, Frontline story is China state-affiliated media. Okay. The, 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 the tweet says, President Biden got a visible bruise on his forehead when he visits <laughs> Poland after Kiev. Well, that's the whole idea. Let me, let me uh, clue, clue you in. The, the, the bishop or the priest takes his thumb, dips it in the ash, and the, where does the ash come from? Palm fronds. Palm Sunday last yeah, year? Yeah, right. It's the burned yeah, up okay. palm fronds. All right, so he's putting Or so they in. say. He puts, his, <laughs> he puts his thumb in the ash. I think they're Kings, makes, I think they're Kingsford charcoal baguettes myself, but yeah, who am I? He with his thumb <laughs> on your forehead. He makes a downward stroke and then a left or right stroke for the cross. Now, that's right. all well and good, but if you're going to school for the rest of the day or going to the job or doing what the president does, that, that it's not going to remain across. Huh, it's just going to turn day. into a smudge. Yeah. Lenny Bruce was on trial in Chicago, and the trial date began on Ash Wednesday, and he was somewhat dismayed to see, like, half of the jurors with black smudges on their forehead for his obscenity trial. It's like, well, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, big time. Okay, we got one more. Uh, we got another uh, piece of correspondence regarding Gabapentin. Shorty in L.A. says, 10 years ago, that medicine messed me up. I gained so much weight, I became borderline diabetic. I was on a series of other medications and asked to be withdrawn because I was almost diabetic. The last to go was Gabapentin. I had no idea Gabapentin was the main culprit. I woke up one day and couldn't move my legs. When I was able to walk, my body kept twitching. It wasn't until I fell in front of the nurse after she saw me twitching that they did anything and immediately halted that crap. Good God. After my accident, remember, Shorty got hit, got run over by a car oh, last yeah, September. Yeah, yeah. Shorty said, after my accident in September, they tried it again, and I said no. Well, I am now firm for sure in my resolve. I'm going to go uh, see the doctor, the actual doctor, next week and say, look, I'm a responsible human being. I understand your reluctance with the, you know, with the DEA and all that. I have found relief with this medicine that I wanted a refill on, and I would appreciate it if you would, would set me up with a supply. And I was telling the, the nurse practitioner, it was the, on the instruction label. It said every four hours or as needed. Well, I didn't take them every four hours. No hell no. You took you them know, as needed. It, exactly. Maybe like once said, in maybe once every day and a half. Once every two days. You know when it gets bad. Well, if I got the supply in mid December and used a third of it while I was in the uh, care center, you can figure out. You know, forty-two pills minus twelve. It took me until Monday or Tuesday of this week to take the last one. So you know I wasn't popping on like fucking M&M. Right, and you weren't chewing them up for the refreshing burst of flavor, and you're not sitting there sitting around on this phone call scratching. I must tell you, though, the first time after I got home, I said, you know, I'm thinking back to that line that Robin uses about Rushbo and how he chews them for the uh, refreshing burst of mint, and I almost bit into it. <laughs> 
but I, I, I thought better of it. No, I've got, a, I've got a friend who had some surgery recently, and she, she told me that she got sent home with some of that, and she said, but I'm scared of this shit, so I'm cutting it in half. Said, no, no, honey, no. No, 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 <laughs> no, no don't, no, no. That's why you're really, really high right now. Don't, don't, yeah. those things are coated. Don't crush them, don't cut them in half, no, don't. No, because it's, the, the new ones are time release. Well, that's yeah, that's the whole point of OxyContin is instead of you take it and then you're just like, boom, whacked, and then a little bit later, you know, three hours later, you're hurting again. This stuff slowly releases into your system over time, and it doesn't make you all stupid, and it relieves your freaking pain. Yeah. You know, when it's anyway. when it's used as it was legitimately designed. So I guess I'm going to have to go south of the border because they'll sell you anything. The yeah, but then you got to bring it back, and that's that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, but uh, 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 <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. I'm you know, not going to go there. Yeah, it, I, I can see you now, Scott. You, you know, you and your Cheech and Chong uh, body body by cannabis van. You know, <laughs> remember that the the entire yes. van body was made out of weed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. Y'all, y'all will probably at least get a little kick. I was talking about the Tennessee bill uh, earlier in the program. I got a clip here of an actual Democrat in Tennessee trying to explain to these Republican jackass morons exactly what they wow. were doing with that thing. I've got the audio here. This guy's actually pretty good. Uh, now they went ahead and they passed it. It it passed through the the Tennessee legislature again, like shit through a goose. Now, what was the purpose of the bill? Uh, to outlaw uh, outlaw drag. Oh my God. And so uh, Johnny Ray Clemens is a Democrat, and he un he unloaded on these boobs, and basically spoke the truth about this stupid bill. But of course, it didn't have any impact. But it, but at least it, it, sometimes, sometimes you fight the fight, even if you even even when you know you're licked going into it, because there's a record made, and he can point to that and say, you know, I told them. Tried to tell them. Thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, Speaker. Uh, thank you, sponsor. Appreciate my previous colleagues' sentiments about this and and, and the targeting. You know, often. Though we disagree with legislation, we try to find the true intent and perhaps the love in a piece of legislation, but I don't see any love in this legislation. I see hate. And so in addition to that, my concern with this is the breadth of the language, Mr. Sponsor, and the breadth of this language takes direct aim at the local economy of my city. He's from Nashville. It takes direct aim at the entertainers within my city. It takes direct aim with its small businesses in my community. And so the language of this bill, now, I don't know if you've ever attended a Beyonce concert. Something tells me you haven't. <laughs> or a Harry Styles concert or a Lizzo concert or a Madonna concert. Your language prohibiting... And the breadth, the vagueness in this bill would prohibit those entertainers from performing in my city. It would prohibit Beyonce, the queen bee herself, who is coming to Nashville this year. This bill would allow me as a district attorney 
by the plain language of this bill to arrest Beyonce. Is that oh, wow. your intended goal here? Chairman Todd. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It is so interesting mm -hmm. to me to hear the opposition to this very simple common sense bill. <laughs> Most of you in this room know exactly what this does. You know it's common sense. Anyone that would stand against a bill that is going to prevent minors, children, from seeing obscene sexual activity, I, I don't know how you claim to be representing anyone. This is common sense. This is protecting children, first and foremost. Children! We can, folks have made up things about this. They've dreamed up things about this. We've got you know, media weighing in on it from all over the world without reading it, without really looking at what it means. It does exactly what I said it does, very plain and simple. And I would think an attorney, of all people, would be able to read this and certainly understand how simple it is. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Representative Clemens. Out of order. Representative Clemens. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. You know, it's interesting. We can find common ground here. Nobody wants a, a, a minor in an establishment with a stripper. There are laws prohibiting that. But your language here, as a lawyer that features any entertainment that features a topless dancer, you could have male topless dancers. I mean, I guess we're not going to swimming pools anymore if males aren't allowed to take their shirts off. So you got male topless dancers performing in a public venue and that may or may not have actual or simulated sexual activities or including the removal of articles of clothing such as a T-shirt. I mean, you, you could have a child. I don't know if you've been to a sand amphitheater. You can watch performances from the street without entering that venue. So you could have a 16-year-old walking up the street looking in a concert at Beyonce, Harry Styles, Lizzo, any, any, most any entertainer, and then you're going to allow a district attorney to go down there and arrest that entertainer? You are taking direct <clears throat> aim at Music City USA just because you subjectively may not agree with it. Now, we talk a lot of, in this body about protecting constitutional amendments. So if you want to have the plain language of the Second Amendment protected, then you better want to have the plain language of the First Amendment protected. Because you can have constitutionally recognized exceptions, but you cannot exclude individual classes of people because you subjectively disagree with them or hate them. That is unconstitutional. Your language is vague and it's overly broad. This will not stand up in court. You have wasted all of our time here today by promoting this legislation. I would ask that you at least make the effort as an attorney to clean this up, to bring it within constitutional muster so you're not attacking my local economy. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Wow. That's impressive. And I like the fact that he actually said, you know, because you hate somebody. You can't do that under the Constitution. You just can't do that. Not legal. Not constitutional. 
and now he's got now he's got all those those paste and, and all those pasty faced doughy God fear and Republican white man thing. You know what that that Beyonce? She's kind of hot. I hope she comes. I mean, I won't I won't tell nobody I done watched her, but she sure is pretty. And I like it. I like them dancers that she has. I I I seen that Rianna there on the Super Bowl show, and I know I'm supposed to be all mad about it, but damn, she's kind of pretty and pregnant and all. I mean, they're perverts. Hey, Robin. You know, the, the, the real hey, perverts Robin. are not the drag queens. The perverts are the Republicans that, that think this way. Ah. Robin. Yeah. No, I was, I, I was just going to say, I, I just hope, you know, because Brazil was rocked by um, the East. Sacralization of the capital and it's horrible in Brazil too, you know. And I hope that there are consequences because if there are no consequences, and these people get away with what they're getting away with, uh, that doesn't bode well for our collective democracies. This sucks. This really sucks. And I mean, you, you see everything that's gone on in the past decades. Um, our side hasn't done enough to fight them. You know, they surrendered the AM spectrum, the digital spectrum. I mean, this goes on and on and on. And what is being done? What is our side doing to combat this? Because the other side... They are ruthless, and that's all I'm going to say. No, they're driven. They're absolutely driven. It's our side. They're playing chess. We're playing checkers. But then again, this in sane states, this thing doesn't have a chance. These are states that are that are captive to legislative chop shops. Right. Again, what I said earlier, they do all the chop shops do all the writing. This cat who, who said, you know, my bill is very plain. It's very simple bill. I, I bet the guy hasn't read it twice. He deposited the campaign contribution from the American Family Purity Council of Christian Goodness in America. Patriotism. Eagles. Got to put all those in there. And then send it down, send it down to, to, to the, to the internal chop shop said, I want this bill fault. And there we go. And the fact that they prioritized this the way they did, you know, tells you everything you need to know about a Republican because there are, there are hungry people in Tennessee. There are, uh, there are at risk people in Tennessee. The mental health system of Tennessee is not exactly the envy of the nation, nor is the medical system. And honest to God, I wonder, because, you know, I've got friends down in Alabama that I do love to visit at my hazard. And and I have to... And I have to go through Tennessee to get there. 
and Kentucky's got a bill. I mean, I, I wonder if I can even stop and use the restroom under these bills. Because the thing about it, the thing about a bill that becomes a law is that, by definition, it is then subject to interpretation. And the people who do the interpreting are uh, municipal police departments, the state police, and the most important, most politically powerful person in any county, the high sheriff. The sheriff, yeah. So if the bill becomes law and then the sheriff says, well, you know, if you see somebody that you think ain't dressed right, you run them in onto this. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, is, 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 are, are people like me simply banned from entering the, the state of Tennessee? And, you know, more and more, uh, putting, the, put, putting the suffix stan on these states is, well, I've been doing it for a long time, but it's never been as accurate as it is, as it is right now. If they had their druthers, that well, I don't know. Republicans being the perverts that they are, would I'm sure there's I'm sure there are members of the Tennessee uh, House that would love to pass a law that for, forbids women from wearing pants. Well, and didn't we learn like just over a hundred years ago with the experiment in uh, I forget which the, the uh, prohibition amendment. Didn't wasn't that an object lesson that we were supposed to learn from that you cannot legislate morality, and this doesn't even mm-hmm. fall under the uh, heading of morality. This is religious uh, bigotry. This is uh, this is I would expect this in some uh, country would, that we used to bomb. You know, one, <clears throat> one of the I countries yeah. in the in the Middle East. When you get, it's bad enough that you get religious people, you know, ministers and ayatollahs and, and people in, in, you know, of the Protestant ilk or even the Catholic ilk, some of them, you know, mandating, you know, coming down with these grand pronouncements about uh, what people who are over 18 or 21, whatever the age of consent is in that jurisdiction, what they, how they right. spend their money and time. For entertainment. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And how many of these same fucking legislators in in Tennessee, I've never been to Tennessee, so I don't know for sure, but there've got to be strip clubs in in Tennessee with pole dancers. Oh, are you kidding me? If you stay on I-65 south of... uh... They're called gentlemen's clubs, I guess, in Kentucky. No, well, in in, in Tennessee, I don't know, maybe it's gone now, but for years and years and years, if you stayed on I-65 southbound on past the the, uh, um, the exit for, for Columbia, uh, down close to the Alabama line, there was a place called the Booby Bungalow. The Booby Bungalow, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. And for all I know, that was, and for all I know, that was a getaway for Republican Tennessee legislators. They're all boobs. Might not have even been a strip club. By the way, Flavio, you have uh, you've you've received a cowbell from Billable Rick. 
And that is for your resident alien quip and hiding your antennas. Behindly used so it's not to frighten the locals? Yes, precisely. Okay. I gotta go. I know. And, well, I gotta go. I gotta go I too. I wanted to wish you a, a good night and um, keep up the, the, the work. And but really, Brazil and the United States, they need to end the impunity because this is ridiculous. Anybody that tries to. You got to your thesis and you broke up again, Flavio. Um, uh, a demo- a, anybody that tries to overturn a democracy should not be a, a mainstreamed. They need to punish these people. Yeah, well, they should. Uh, in, in a country that actually values the civil liberties and its constitution, uh, people that do this sort of thing should be shunned. Absolutely, and, and you know, with, with with all these cases, uh, and, and there was another one from Tennessee. The guy said the other day, "This thing's going to get tore up by the courts the minute it gets there." You know, one, you know what, you know, and, and I know you got to go, Flavio, uh, but you know what would be one way, one way of preventing some of this? Make the sponsors of the bill personally liable for the court costs defending the damn things. Well, and see, that's that's a, that's a beautiful suggestion because they really have nothing at stake when it comes right down to it. Meanwhile, the people who are affected by these stupid bills, they're they're the ones that are that are getting screwed, and for no good reason, for good, for no good purpose, for being alive. All right, um, I love you. Love you too, Fabio. You take care. Have a good evening, Scott. You too. Alrighty, take care, you you all, and uh, be well, born family, wherever you are. All right. See you, Scott. Later. See ya. And a reminder: no program tomorrow. By the way, like and subscribe to the podcast, please. Leave a comment. One word is fine. Um. But program note, no program tomorrow. I'll be in Charleston trying to do what I can to add my little bit to the quantum of energy that we need to at least make a public display of our opposition to this flood tide of Republican hate. So thank you. Uh, By the way, thank you to Ralphs and thank you to Emilio. Uh, we started out with a $170 fundraising goal, and we are down to 156 So I guess Monday it'll we'll be at 456 Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody who got that number down as far as they did. Thank you so much. Thanks for saving the program and making it possible to pay a ridiculous amount of money to Appalachian Electric Power. Thanks for everything. Thank you to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you to each and every one of you who shares your precious finite time engaging in this long-running conversation in whatever manner you so choose. And thanks to our all-volunteer staff.
Um, thank you to uh, Roger and Sparky in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Uh, Asa reminds me, if you're listening on TuneIn, uh, click the little heart button. That's another way to help. Thanks for the reminder, Asa. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thank you to the hardest-working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your boosters while they're still free. Get your flu shot. Wipe down your surfaces. Help stop the spread of RSV till hopefully we get a vaccine next year. Wear your mask. You know how it is with the maggots. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket and purse. Don't count on it to be where you're going. Maintain your social distance 15 to 20 feet like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And if some puzzle-gutted, pasty-faced, doughy old white man uh, comes galumphing down the street towards you, maybe on Lower Broad in Nashville, babbling something about, well, we're going to have to arrest that Beyonce. Well, avoid that maggot like the plague. Because he is. And always, always, always. Gina, it's all for you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Later. <laughs>